This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. The galaxies we hear, Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tell Me This. I'm Brianne Roos here with Carrie Borkowski, and we are really excited to talk with someone new to us today. So Janine McGuire is a colleague of our dear friend, Dr. Lisa Mitchell. And um, we know that anybody who was referred to by referred by Lisa is going to be great. So we're very excited to have this conversation today. And I'll give you a little bit of background on Janine before we get started. Janine McGuire is a New York City-based musical theater composer, writer, and producer. With collaborator Ari Lawton-Simon, her latest musical is The Bubble, based on the 2006 Israeli film of the same name. The pair have also written Express, an immersive musical set in the New York City subway, and Kibby the Space Dog, a theater for young audiences commission about a dog's search for belonging. We cannot wait to unpack that. <laughs> Janine has been a member of the BMI Musical Theater Workshop for 11 years and has participated in fellowships and residencies, including Barn on Fire, the Dramatist Guild Foundation Fellowship, the Johnny Mercer Writers Grove, and the Rhineback Writers Retreat. She holds a BA in music from Barnard College, Columbia University, where she founded a club for the production of new musicals. For the past 12 years, she's been a part of the nonprofit organization Concerts in Motion, which alleviates social isolation through live music. Janine, welcome to the pod. We're Hello. so happy to have you. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to meet you both. Yeah, I had to say, I have to say, I had the same reaction when I read the. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, a dog search for belonging. We, we need to figure <laughs> out how to, to fit get that, that in. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, one thing I I, I started thinking about um, in preparation for speaking with you was how much belonging as a theme runs through many musicals for mm. all sorts of audiences, and certainly work I've worked on, and certainly work I love. So I hope we can definitely talk about that today. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And before we get started, um, just to orient us and our listeners to the stories that we'll hear and that you'll share, um, we invite you to share your pronouns and any parts of your identity that you feel like would be important to, to our conversation today. She, her, and I am a New York City-based woman artist. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that. We cannot wait to talk about belonging with you and just the music. I mean, we we asked Lisa for a contact who is involved in musical theater, because this is a world that while I love to go to the theater and musicals are my favorite thing to watch, I this is not my world professionally at all. And we've had some other guests kind of give us a little bit of insight into music and belonging. And um, it just really got us excited about learning more. So um, Janine, we're curious just at the start about your definition of belonging. 
Well, one of the first words that comes up for me connected to belonging is community. Um, I think that participation and uh, acceptance into community is a big part of belonging. And um, acceptance actually is a, a, um, another word that I think uh, is important to my notion of belonging, which is that um, it's not just proximity, but it is an open embracing of uh, of, of the true, um, the whole individual um, completely being able to be, be who you are in authentic expression. So um, for me, uh, yeah, belonging runs deep and runs uh, d deeply connected to, I think, to my theater making practice and um, and to, I think, many people's experience being in theater and in, and in music. Taking oh, notes. I just wrote that whole thing down. I know, I know. We, both, we both take furious notes, even though this is <laughs> yeah. recorded, which sounds seems kind of silly, right? No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So I can't, no, and, I can't, I yeah. can't help but ask because I love your this idea of acceptance and open, mm -hmm. em, openly embracing the whole individual. So I'm gonna loop it in from the start because I'm just so curious. So what does this look like for a space dog? <laughs> for a space dog well um this uh that particular musical kibby the space dog yeah. um written in collaboration with my writing partner ari lawton simon uh is based off of a children's picture book of the same name and so we had this beautiful rich story to begin with uh and it is about a dog that after he gets injured and has a um and has to wear a cone on his head he gets ostracized and bullied by his peers and then, um, you know, dreams of of a place where he can be fully accepted, and that's where the space part comes in. The wow. the uh, the cones on, oh, on their heads. Sure. Oh, that's so cute! Like space helmets, and and he okay. goes on this like wonderful fantasy uh, where where he learns what it would feel like to be truly accepted and and loved for who he is, and and you know returns with that message and that ability to integrate that into his real life. So all of that takes place, you know, within a short, you know, mm -hmm. a short for. Um, for children and uh but it um i mean that's specifically how the story unfolds but mm -hmm. even on on something as um you know as straightforward as that it uh it, it it's a it, it allows me as an artist to think about those issues in a pretty deep way mm -hmm. um other projects that i've worked on in fact actually tend toward a lot of the same topics um and but but in in a sense, I feel like some of these things are universal. This is the human condition, mm -hmm. and that's what theater is able. That's what we can reveal, uh, no matter what the story, no matter what the audience. Yeah, mm, I love that's so brilliant. The the cone and the, mm -hmm. and the and space. I we had we've always had dogs and um, had a basset hound that struggled with her. <laughs> her cone when she had to have it. So she would have appreciated space travel for sure. <laughs> so I'm, I, I know from looking at your website and also this, this bio, I get the sense that theater music create creating has just been in your, maybe your blood and your bones, your DNA for your whole life. It seems like you've just been doing different pieces of this. And so I'm wondering and you said in your definition that this idea of belonging is is deeply connected to your work in theater. That sort of it's a theme. And so I'm going to ask you to sort of share some of your own belonging story. And I know that could take a whole, probably a whole episode unto itself. So I guess what we're what we're really curious is, are there significant moments or a moment of belonging that really just came up for you as you were thinking about talking with us today? Yeah, I, 
I thought a bit about how I didn't feel that I belonged very deeply in a social sense when I was young. Um, I did feel that I belonged to my family of origin, um, but that outside of that in school, I just found it a little bit hard to make friends and hard to connect with other people in an authentic way. Um, although I had people around me quite often. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that can be a um, a common experience of people, of all people, and especially those who go into the arts in some way, because on some level, I know I was searching for something. And, um, and then when I started to find it in experiencing theater, both as a fan, just you know, as an audience member, um, and then as a participant and a creator, I, um, in addition to the love of the craft of the art form itself, I think I also loved the process and the, uh, the community around that theater making, uh, theater making as, as first as a hobby and then as a career. It, um, it, it kind of, uh, the, the way, um, and I can talk a little bit about, about this for the, for the audience who may not know, like how yeah. a musical is, is yeah, born, you know, but, um, it kind of comes with this, um, built in community and sense of belonging, I think, or it can, um, in the best, you know, in the best circumstances. So I would say then for, um, just, well, just going back to, uh, discovering theater and musical theater when I was young, I mean, some of that even started with connecting to other fans online. Um, mm. I feel that I was very fortunate to grow up in a special era of the early internet when um, you could <laughs> seek out um, people who shared the same affinity uh, towards artists or shows or, you know, really anything on message boards or on forums. And I made friends with people all over the world who <laughs> loved wow. what I loved. <laughs> I mean, we would even go so far as um, occasionally plan in-person meetups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to, again, meet people of all ages, um, all genders, all, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of diversity in people I would, that I met, you know, as a teen and, um, and we would, you know, occasionally even send each other mixtapes through the mail. And um, again, <laughs> this was a different time of the internet. Yes, <laughs> yes. So this was, yeah. I think a time I really treasure because I got to know people pretty well mm-hmm. in a, um, in a way that also felt safe and, um, you know, and, and welcoming. Uh, so, so I originally, even just to, you know, as a theater fan was sort of my first um, sense that there could be this, this acceptance and, and these deep connections with people who, again, may not like look like you or have um, a similar lifestyle to you, but, but we could really connect on something on the soul level that was, mm-hmm. that was deep and important. So um, I, I'd say that, 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 I mean, and then I think I really sought to, I, I thought if there was ever an opportunity for me to bring people together in that way, that would just be the deepest honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think I was thinking that consciously, but I do think that part of my desire to create was to, um, was to bring about stories and music that other people could connect to in that same way, ideally. And um all of that sort of that that fandom and uh and and my own burgeoning creative process are sort of mixed up for me in my teens but it was it was a special time when I did start to feel like I belonged and then that also did start to translate into my offline life as well where Mm -hmm. I you know started putting on shows at my school you know and uh just just starting to uh work with my peers um in an artistic way and that um then that that led to I think like to, to real friendship and connection and a sense of belonging 
And I finally felt like I had a purpose at in high school, for instance, and in college. I was the kid who was writing musicals, and that was pretty specific at the time. Although I know tons of people who do that now, I didn't really know anyone who did it at the time. Um, and it gave me a place, and it gave me an identity uh, where other kids played sports, or you know, or had mm-hmm. some other strong interest um, that connected them to others. This th- that became mine. I'm imagining you sending mixtapes through the mail. I just love, I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I yeah. just love that like visual. Oh, and sure. digging up the um, and digging up really rare things at the time too. The internet was great for that then too, of just being like, I found this demo recording <laughs> of this this musical that we love, and and here it is, and sharing it with your friends felt it felt as exciting as discovering it yourself was to be able to share it with others who would also appreciate it. Yeah. So you 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 describe this not feeling a sense of belonging, like. So in social situation, I'm using my own words, but I'm hearing you say in social situations to finding this group, you know, online and through connections. Like, I'm wondering, Janine, given, I mean, it sounds like you're a family of origin. You felt a sense of belonging, which is, which is awesome. I'm wondering, knowing how you, how you did experience sort of a lack of belonging, where did, what, what, what was the source of courage for you to even reach out? Like what, like, mm-hmm. what is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like what really, I think that would be hard as a, as a young person. And so I'm wondering like, what, what motivated you? What, what, what helped you to take that risk? That is a great question. Um, you're bringing me back to sitting in my bedroom, feeling <laughs> unsure and terrified if I could share any of yeah. the, the musicals <laughs> I was writing in my bedroom alone uh, with anyone else. Um, I think that I started sharing my work at summer camp uh, when I had a circle of artistic friends Mm -hmm. and I would wait all year to know that I could bring something I was working on throughout the school year to summer camp. And we would almost do our own little table reads, except without a table (laughs) down at the lake. And, you know, and, and I knew that those summer friends would, would care about these stories I was making up and and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that I started there and then over time, I think I started to realize that the the reward of potentially getting connection and feedback and mm-hmm. and the ability to actually maybe put on a small version of something would be worth the risk of 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 negative feedback or you know or just t- toward the work itself or toward me for even trying. Uh, but it was a slow process. I um I, I am not actually one of the people who uh, came to writing for musical theater. Uh, very directly from performing musical theater, which is a mm-hmm. is a, I think even a more common pathway because uh, just a, a lot of um, young people who love theater are drawn to performing in those shows. But my, my history with that is fairly limited. I took dance classes and was occasionally involved in something here or there, but but ultimately I felt like I was a behind the scenes person. So I think it just took a little longer for me to find my people and 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 fully immerse myself in that world because there weren't as many. Uh, behind the scenes uh, opportunities for for kids mm-hmm. like me, but I do hear that that is changing these days in um, in high school music programs, et cetera. There can be much more room for for kids to stage manage or produce mm-hmm. or do publicity or all those things that that I think that I would have been more drawn to. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, just going off script a second, but connecting to your story, it sounds like the moments at the lake at camp were pretty important to your sense of belonging like there was a I mean it sounds like you waited all year for that you're using (laughs) words like safety and welcoming and sort of this like knowingness and this acceptance like those are really important words I think and then the next part was um, you're a little bit more behind the scenes 
And I'm curious about your music degree. So where does the music degree fit into the story and kind of how does how does that connect some of these dots? Well, sure. I showed up at Barnard College, uh, a school I was really excited about, thinking that I would major in theater because I just kind of pointed at that as the as the major that made the most sense, I thought made the most sense for me. But when I started actually taking the, the courses, I found that um that I really yearned to incorporate music into my storytelling very fundamentally. Mm-hmm. And okay. I started also investigating what the music department may have to offer. And because that was a school that didn't really combine those, I ended up choosing and I ended up just pragmatically looking at the course uh, schedule in the course book and deciding what do I actually want to fill my turned out to be three and a half years uh, with and just those courses spoke to me in terms of just what I wanted to be doing right then and what I felt like I had to learn so mm-hmm. I took a lot of um, theory and composition and piano again not in the sense of I want to be a performer but mm-hmm. in the sense of if I get better at piano it will help me in my in my storytelling and in my musical craft so you know I did some of that I did some recording and I just got access to a lot of uh, learning about a lot of uh, aspects of music that I didn't have exposure to or much exposure to before. And um, and ended up doing that and then found a way to do theater extracurricularly. Mm. So you said that you, or at least I heard you say, let me say it that way and you can correct me if I'm mishearing you, is that you were drawn to the music in a sense that it you it sounded like it was just part of the way you wanted to tell your stories was with music. So as two non-theater people, Brianne and myself, and for our, some of our audience, can you unpack that a little bit more? So like, you know, we certainly do some writing and do some storytelling in our own way. So can you just talk about like, what is that, what is that connection that you saw or, or desired so that us non-theater people can understand that better? That and that's a brilliant question, and one I think I could spend my entire life and career <laughs> thinking about. Um, to, well, I, I'll say this: to, to me, it was uh, intuitive that these things belong together and were, mm-hmm. were very hard to extract. But, but if I think about it from my vantage point today, I think that um, music can enhance and allow people, whether they are the creators or the audience, uh, to to mm-hmm. feel a story in a way mm-hmm. that. Um, that just, it, it, that, that I think makes it feel more personal. I think it can heighten the emotions. I think there's a level of empathy and, uh, memory, um, connection to, mm-hmm. to holding that as a, as a, as a very memorable, um, personal experience. Um, e- even to the point where, I mean, I think that, that it's not only musical theater that does that. I think even a, you know, a film score that accompanies a movie, uh, mm-hmm. is almost, almost, is almost every film, um, whether you're noticing it or the you know the uh, creators of the film want you to notice it or for it to just enhance the experience in a way you can't um it specifically sense in the moment i think that um that you know that sound and story do naturally work so well together and that you know original forms of storytelling were oral and uh, i think to, to me these things are just inextricably linked and um you know, and I think we often think of them as separate, but, and then also on the other side of things, looking at um, so much music is, I think, um, memorable and, uh, and special because of either uh, lyrical context that is embedded into it, like an accompanying lyric, mm-hmm. or in the case of even, um, you know, instrumental or orchestral music, sometimes there is this uh, larger programmatic 
or meaning to it, which I think can help people connect to what the piece is. If it's inspired by something, if it's about something, if it um, you know doesn't even use words but uses uh, narrative concept in some way, mm-hmm. I think that I think as just humans we connect to story and and that these two things enhance each other. Although they don't always have to 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 be um, to be embedded in in the other. I think that um, to me they're a natural fit. I'm just taking. I mean, it you're all like it's, it's so natural and it's so innate, and I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> and as you tell the story, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, just as somebody who's not living in that world, just as somebody who appreciates some shows and music and things. Um, but I, what came to mind was Oliver Sacks, who's a very famous neurologist or was. Um, and he talks so much about music as a stimulus, you know, he said, there's no stimulus that lights up the brain so extensively as music. And so as you're saying this, and your experience of music and story and, you know, the reciprocal power of the two, of course, like, of course, it is. Um, as you say, it is. And it just makes a lot of sense. I can't say that I really thought about it in that way before this conversation. So I'm glad we're, we're having the opportunity to kind of unpack it a bit. In my work, I've collaborated directly with hundreds of educators to support their success. Do you know which of their edtech frustrations comes up time and again? The sheer number of tools out there and the difficulty of knowing which ones schools like theirs are using to get results. IXL is different. Not only does it perform the functions of dozens of tools, it's currently delivering results for one in four U.S. students, including those in 95 of the top 100 districts. Another major pain point that comes up when a school is excited to implement a new tool only to find out the teachers hate it. Yikes. It helps to know that IXL is loved and trusted by more than one million teachers, saving them time on prep work while enabling them to better support student learning. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments. And independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com forward slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com forward slash BE. I was, yeah, uh, I'll, be, I'll be thinking about it more as well. I, I know because <laughs> I, I agree with Brianne and also I just, this is why we love having such diverse guests on. Cause I think Janine, yeah. you so beautifully, sort of packaged this relationship between Mm -hmm. story and music. And what I was thinking about as you were speaking is um, Brianne and I get to talk to a lot of different people. And one thing we've been exploring in belonging is the senses, not just the words we use or the strategies that people bring to, to sort of, you know, cultivate a sense of belonging, but like the sort of somatic and the five senses. And, and as you were speaking, I was like, you're just, what you're reflecting is like the layers of belonging, right? It's not just in the story, the language, the words, the message. It's also in the feeling and the hearing and the resonance and the vibration. So I just, it just makes, it makes sense, right? That like, that's this idea of belonging being a theme in your work 
of course it is like what you just described sounds like belonging to me. So I thank you for, for that articulation. I really love that. Sure. Sure. And, and as I also, as I think about what you just said, I think about how much music can be, um, a tool or a conduit to accessing, I think, our deepest emotions. Mm. I didn't know that's what I was doing when I was 12 years old with my headphones on, <laughs> memorizing a cast album. But I was empathizing mm. with characters and imagining future versions of my life and just feeling sadness, feeling joy, feeling all kinds of emotions. And I think that that is then what um, anyone who's creating music or or story or theater can then offer to other people, just the chance to gather in a group um or even just in uh and on, on an individual level to just experience other worlds go other places think about other kinds of lives and stories totally. um, and i think that's that's i mean i think that's one reason i, I do love musical theaters and it can take you anywhere mm-hmm. and i think that that can be a really exciting thing and and then to go there on an emotional level is something that i just love yeah. As a consumer, I have to say, as a consumer of music, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I think it'll be worth a good laugh. I love Spotify because if I'm in like a mellow or sad song, sort of, I just curate some music that's like <laughs> the sad song mix and I get like the best. <laughs> like, Absolutely. So you're, so you're right. I'm that it way does. as well. I'm that way yeah. Too. So, so it does. And I, and I like Brianne love musical theater and I certainly I feel like I've been to so many shows where I'm standing up clapping. I'm like, oh, this was so beautiful. <laughs> like the emotion. So yeah. yeah, I'm right there. I um, played sports and so did Carrie and my kids play a lot of sports. And when they were young, I was like determined to expose them to things beyond fields and courts. And so we try <laughs> to go to some shows each year. And I look forward to it so much because of what you just described, all of what you just described, because I want to go someplace else, whether, and, and we're not going to probably the really cool shows that you're writing and doing. We're going to kind of the big name shows that come through. Um, But, you know, when we sit and we watch Wicked or whatever the show is, it is an experience unlike anything else that I experience in my days and in my weeks. And I am so appreciative of that, but I don't know that I've been able to really name why or like name the what of that until this conversation. It's really helping me to kind of put, some words to the emotions that I feel when I'm sitting there. And it's just such a gift to, to go somewhere else and to live, you know, and to be filled. Like, I just love the feeling being filled with the music and filled with mm. the words and, you know, then unpacking it after in the car on the way home. And it's, there's so much power to it. Yeah, um, I completely agree. And also want to say that I think Wicked is in a, it's a phenomenal musical and I think its success is very deserved and absolutely is a belonging story. Like that's, that's completely up yeah. search for where <laughs> she belongs, you know? So I think, yeah. I, I think there's a reason that sometimes those, those stories of an individual who is different, who's searching for how they can exist in the world are, are common. I think in, in musical theater, um, Wicked is one of them. Phantom of the Opera is another one. Um, sometimes it's beyond the individual. And I think it's, um, it's communities looking for where they belong, like in Rent or in West Side mm-hmm. Story, um, it can be it can be broader than that, but um, it's a uh, yeah. I, I think that I think that those stories often leave us with that profound feeling of 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 the search for self and the search for acceptance and community. And um, and it, it, just what you're describing, also in in talking with your your family on the way home, it's like that's that just it, it puts a huge smile on my face <laughs> to see on the podcast because I'm like, yes, that's it, that's the thing that, that we yeah. want to make. Yeah. So I'm curious about 
your journey. And you just talked a little bit about your 12 year old self with your headphones, kind of thinking about maybe not as explicitly, but being immersed in this world of music and theater. What did you notice or what have you noticed about yourself as you've moved through your own belonging journey, right? So you're young, you have these moments of probably pretty rich belonging in camp and then you're kind of tapping into that your own on your own in your room with your headphones. How has that progressed for you as you've moved through your career or your life? Well, I'd say that one of the biggest surprises for me was that I really transitioned from being a solo writer to someone who works primarily in collaboration. Mm -hmm. And within that, I feel a deep sense of belonging um, because when I was that that kid in the in the bedroom, I, I felt a sense that I was alone in this, that I could tinker away at this material that I was working on and eventually share it with others, but that there was no one with me side by side in that creative process. Mm-hmm. And um, and that all changed for me when I joined the BMI workshop uh, in 2012. And um, the way that this workshop works is that it's a training program for uh, individuals who want to write musical theater or who are already writing musical theater and want to learn even more. And uh, the first year is collaborating with all different people within uh, within the workshop um, or within your, your cohort. And um, the very first person I was paired up with turned out to be my long-term collaborator for life, Ari yeah. Lawton-Simon, who I mentioned, which is just great luck. But um, but beyond that, though, we also, we, we had an amazing year of people and amazing other collaborations with other folks. And uh, and that really kind of taught me that, oh, I do like doing this. I do like sharing my ideas with someone else. It's very vulnerable and it's, you know, it needs to be, I think, the right match. But um, it's like that changed the way that I I that I want to do this. And and I realized for a form as collaborative as theater, because you are always are going to have to work with um a whole a whole group of other people. And it's going to be the joy of doing it, working with the director, working with actors, you know, actually putting the thing on. Um, that to uh, to create with someone else also makes makes a lot of sense and um, and again like I said if it's with the right person it can be the most fun part of all honestly it's um, so I think that that's that's one way that that my belonging journey has changed quite a lot and I don't see myself as that solo artist toiling away alone anymore but I see myself as someone you know in a room um, sharing my ideas before even processing them myself just really being able to um, stay open and stay open to flow mm-hmm. and and just a lot has changed really I'd say in my in my process because of that mm-hmm. I want I wonder how much uh summer camp and those connections online sort of prepared you for this collaborative work that you're doing in the BMI and that you did in the BMI and now with um Ari I wonder if yeah, I, just yeah I, I think um, I think that they they did prepare me. And yeah. and of course, I mean, that's I, it's not it wasn't a black or white thing where yeah. I worked only alone and then only with I mean, there yeah, right, sure, collaborated sure. with other folks in, in, in the meantime. But I think that it was. Um, but yeah, it all it it allowed me to slowly shift the way that I was thinking about this and to just yeah. and to allow myself to be more vulnerable and uh, and just to share what's going on in your mind. Um, I'll also mention that Ari and I, as we write, we don't have um, the maybe more traditional uh, division of roles, which one person does the music and one mm. person does the lyrics or the words and and you stay in your lane and you just, you know, trade emails or things like that, which is how some people do it. And some people do it very effectively. But mm-hmm. we write the um, the book or the story and script, the lyrics and the music together, mm. ideally mm. in the same room if we can. And a lot of the time we can never even 
tell you like who thought of what, who thought of which line, who thought of the song title, who thought of where it fits into the show. It's like all that stuff is just kind of coming and we don't worry about breaking that down any further except saying that we created it together. So um, so I'll also say like that's that's our um, yeah. that's our process and uh, and cool. it's been an interesting way to go about it. And uh, and I would say also then having someone to go through that, like the intimacy of that with mm-hmm. has um, you know, has, has it just been a great, uh, it's been a great joy in my life. It's been mm-hmm. something that, um, you know, I look forward to our work because there is that, there's that two person belonging that happens, mm-hmm. that, that thing where, where, when, you know, this is a difficult career, but we have each other yeah. and we have each other to navigate the logistics and also just the internal stuff of just how mm-hmm. are we going to create something that is good <laughs> that works. Mm, what a beautiful gift. I love that. The way you describe that. I mean, Brianne and I are not theater folks, but I would say that the way, at least my perspective, I can't speak for Brianne, but the way yes. that we work together as researchers um, feels similar to what you're saying, right? This idea that, I mean, sometimes we look at an article that we've written and we're not sure who wrote what sentence, right? Yeah. So it's kind of cool that. that way. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of fun. Really... So that, that resonates. So you know, clearly if, and if I put on my researcher cap for a second, you know, the research is very clear that belonging is a social endeavor, right? We, we often talk about sort of, and, and you've said like acceptance and open, openly embracing you, the first word you said was community, right? So it's a very social and what we're discovering from some really cool researchers in sort of anthropology and other places is that there's also an element of belonging to self, right? That if you're going to be an actor in this social endeavor, there's also some work that's being done internally. And so I'm wondering, Janine, when I say something like belonging to self, I don't know, what's your, what's your reaction? What does that conjure for you? I think for me, it conjures a sense of self-acceptance and a a knowing of oneself. Mm. Um, And like, if someone else were to belong to your social circle, you would love them, you would embrace them, you would be curious about them and want to know mm-hmm. what's going on in their life. Um, and and I think that you can also offer yourself that same uh, that same kindness and that same um, that same connection really to, to to check in and to care about yourself. So I think that um, sometimes I do have to remind myself to care about myself the way and take care of myself the way that I would want a close dear friend to be taken care of um so i think that that thinking about it outside myself and then bringing it in is a way that makes sense for me to think about it mm-hmm. um and uh I, but i absolutely think that 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 cultivating a sense of self belonging or belonging to the self is um it would be a wonderful practice for any artist because mm-hmm. i think the more we can you know care and heal ourselves in that way like the better we can be at doing what we do mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a really beautiful way to segue into our next question, but also kind of a a reason to pause, (laughs) which is I really love the way you framed um, belonging to self in the context of connecting with others. So it's it's maybe easier to connect with others, right? And you you shared some really nice words, which I wrote down, um, to love and embrace and this curiosity that you offer to others who are close to you. And, you know, could we do that? for ourselves. Yes, we could, but we don't necessarily do it, right? We don't necessarily prioritize us, ourselves. And I really appreciate that awareness that you're sharing. So that self-awareness, 
which kind of leads me to a question about strategies or practices that you've adopted to support belonging. Mm. Well, um, I've, I've learned over the years about myself that I am both an extrovert and I'm a person who likes some level of structure uh, in my schedule and in my life. So for me, one of the things that comes up is making sure that I block in times mm -hmm. to be with other people who really mm -hmm. inspire me and, um, and make them regular enough that they'll show up on my calendar, um, frequently. And, um, and that, uh, and, and, and specifically one that comes to mind was I, I spoke about the BMI workshop before, uh, the early years of it are, um, you know, are an every week, uh, large commitment. And as you go on, though, it doesn't necessarily uh, need to stay a weekly commitment for everyone. A lot of people uh, go off and do their own work and bring things back to the workshop if and when they would like some feedback on it and would like to share. But these days, I'm finding it incredibly helpful to show up every week and just connect with my fellow artists mm -hmm. and dive into the work that they're working on, even if I don't have anything to bring myself um, that for me is this renewing process and something I really look forward to each week um, yeah. is to it's to disconnect with with fellow artists and the, the work that they're they're generating. And so for me, putting some of those rituals into my schedule, uh, to, you know, to connect with others or to, um, you know, get together with uh, with I just have like a few small groups of you know, people who, again, are, are working on some of the same kinds of stuff as, as I am, musical theater writers or other creators, and just and just really make a point to connect and not only talk work, but to to just mm -hmm. to be together and um, and have dinner together or, or things like that. That that helps me, I think, a lot. And um, and additionally, I guess the other the other side of that is the things that I do not with not specifically with others, but that I do for myself. And that that's all the stuff I'm working on always. <laughs> it's the self-care <laughs> of meditation and, you know, and, and body movement and, mm. and all that stuff. You know, I think that uh, as I've gotten older, I've realized that that intentional work in those areas um, is not just good for you in its own right, but can connect to everything else. And I think just increase, increase one's ability to to just to be the person you want to be in the world. So mm -hmm. it's something I'm trying to make more time for and more intention toward. Yeah. I always think it's so interesting how self-care is so hard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my, it's, it's a thing I think about a lot these days. It's my common, yeah. uh, common topic with my therapist is yeah. how I can take care of myself the way that I take care of others and, and my totally. projects friends and all that. That's so. right. Yeah. I love, I hope our audience is taking notes because I think you've offered some really brilliant um, strategies in this idea of really creating habits and routines around connecting with others. But when I was listening to you, Janine, the thing that I kept saying in my brain was just showing up, right? Showing up and seeing what's possible and showing up and that sometimes that's all you can do. And if you show up for dinner, you might have great mm -hmm. conversation. You might connect. You might talk about a potential project. Who knows, right? But just encouraging yourself and inviting yourself regularly to show up, I think, is a is a wonderful, wonderful strategy. So, also another thing that came up for me is making time uh, to offer things to the community. You know, mm -hmm. to um, to not just look for ways to fill your own well, but when you feel like it is filled enough, to um, to reach out and figure out ways to connect with others who might. Be much more isolated 
mm -hmm. um, or just be in, in even in greater need of connection and belonging. Mm -hmm. And uh, and one of the ways that I that I do that is through the nonprofit organization that I work for. Um, I've been uh, working with Concerts in Motion for twelve years since uh, since its founding. Wow. And as you mentioned in my bio, um, we uh, seek to alleviate social isolation through live music, mm -hmm. and um, that can look like a lot of different formats, but frequently it is bringing uh, professional live musicians or youth musicians into either the homes or the um, the residences or different, um, you know, all, all kinds of places that we can reach folks who are in need of uh, not just the musical experience, but also engagement. Mm -hmm. And so so for me, I'm, I'm connecting that also just back to, it's something I've been doing for so long because I'm, I'm really passionate about being able to, to, to reach out with this stuff and not only meet people who are able to access it easily, but to, to reach out and, and bring it to people who aren't as able to uh, access it easily. And, uh, and for me, that also, that, that also just increases, I think my personal well-being in knowing that, 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 that is possible and that it's an important part of, I think, doing this work for me. Absolutely. Is that a New York city based nonprofit? It is. New York based. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then over this decade plus, we've primarily done that live programming in New York City. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, during the onset of the pandemic, we also then started moving some of the operations to, uh, you know, to doing virtual concerts. Mm -hmm. There we learned that we could also reach a broader, um, mm -hmm. you know, just even broader communities and that, yeah. that everyone, in fact, was feeling isolated and in need of connection. So, For um, sure. so. So now it also does um, reach people beyond the New York area, but yes, we are New York based. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask you about that. So I was glad you, oh, sure, you added sure. that in. So, <laughs> um, so I think, oh my gosh, this has been such a fantastic conversation and I am so grateful to learn more of your story and to hear about all the amazing work you're doing, Janine. And I just love how you've described belonging and it just all resonated. So I'm feeling selfishly, I'm feeling very lit up from this conversation. So I'm <laughs> just grateful for your time. Um, we always love to offer or invite our guests. Um, if there's anything else you would like to share that we didn't ask you about, we didn't talk about, this is your time just to, to sort of, to bring us home here. I actually think we touched on so many things in this, in this time period. I'll be thinking about this topic of belonging. <laughs> I think for, for, you know, always now, um, as I, as I think about each, each, uh, each, thing that I'm working on. And, um, and specifically, I think that it's a really helpful lens to look at each uh, piece of musical theater that I am creating, because I think that there's always actually, uh, I'm, I'm thinking now, there's always a way to, uh, to connect it to that. And I think for me, that's going to be a very powerful takeaway from this conversation mm. and, um, and something that just, I truly, that truly will stay with me. So I thank you for the opportunity to really get into it and think about it on that level. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to watch or listen to another musical theater without thinking of belonging now, which I, I, I love. Yep. So, um, so thank you so much uh, for being with us today, Janine. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. This has been another episode of Tell Me This. I am your co-host, Carrie Burkowski, here so with Brianne Roos. And thank you so much, Janine. And everybody, take care. All right. Be well, everybody. So
to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.